Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we are blessed to have one of the most important voices in America when it comes to COVID-19. He is Dr. Peter McCullough, a deeply credentialed doctor who is telling Americans the most of what they are hearing in the mainstream media about COVID is wrong. He is telling a troubling tale about collusion between the medical establishment, corporate media, and big tech to prevent you from hearing the truth. All right, Dr. McCullough, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. All right, so uh, we'll get to the Rogan stuff in a second, but I definitely want to hear about uh, uh, your journey from the beginning with COVID, how you jumped in right away. You were one of the first guys, first guys in doing a lot of things, and then kind of how it progressed up to where we are today. Yeah, I was um, in March of 2020, uh, I was in a medical practice and cardiology practice, academic medical center in Dallas, Texas, still am today at the same medical center. Um, I had previously focused on heart and kidney disease as my major research focus. And when this hit, uh, myself and my division chief, we, f we felt strongly motivated that we should do something to help out from our part. We weren't uh, infectious disease experts, but we were good medical doctors and we could apply our scholarship. And so I applied for and won the, one of the first FDA uh, new drug applications to use hydroxychloroquine uh, in large scale in healthcare workers. And we demonstrated that that, that was beneficial. And then I moved on to work with the Italians uh, to devise treatment protocols to treat patients in order to avoid hospitalization and death and had the two seminal publications in 2020 uh, demonstrating uh, what the approach would be with using com combined drugs, drugs to reduce viral replication, treat inflammation, and then treat blood clotting. Uh, and those papers became the most downloaded and cited papers uh, for all of COVID-19 as an outpatient. There's now a protocol that's copyrighted called the McCullough Protocol. Uh, it was copyrighted by Ben Marble on my behalf for MyFreeDoctor.com, which used it. Ben just testified in the U.S. Senate, as I did on January 24th. He's treated with his group over 150,000 Americans high risk for COVID-19. He's only lost four patients. So it's extraordinary how effective early treatment can be. Absolutely. And you have been on, on such the, the front edge of this, and we all really appreciate it. I think as we've all kind of gotten to know you over this period of time, I think there's a lot of appreciation for your courage and obviously for your intellect. And so let's go back to December here. You get on the Rogan show and millions and millions of people hear all this. I mean, you had been doing other shows previously, but that's the viral side of this and it, and it took off. So just tell us how things have changed for you since then. You know, through the course of the pandemic, I uh, have now had two rounds of U.S. Senate testimony, multiple state Senate testimonies. I've been a frequent contributor in The Hill in the first year, second year, frequent contributor. I actually have my own show on America Out Loud Talk Radio, frequent contributor on Fox News, OEN, Newsmax. Uh, but the Rogan interview was something completely different. And uh, when Rogan reached out to me, uh, it took about a month to schedule. I was busy. And I had prepared, so I had a base uh, set of scientific slides that was already continuing medical education approved for by a major scientific meeting in October, and I added to it with the peer-reviewed literature, both in the preprint server system and in the National Library of Medicine. And when I went to the Rogan studio, I gave the slide set to his producers ahead of time, select figures. I opened up my computer. I found Joe Rogan to be very respectful. He asked good questions. He was intelligent, perceptive. The entire three-hour interview, there were no opinions. There was no hyperbole. It was basically a presentation of the scientific data. And now the transcript has come out on the Rogan interview. 
And uh, the most frequently discussed topic was monoclonal antibodies, which are fully emergency use authorized. And I use them in my practice every day. Joe Rogan had received them. His friend Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback for the um, Green Bay Packers, had received them. Uh, so we had a lot of discussion on monoclonal antibodies. We also discussed other treatments used in the McCullough Protocol. So, I mean, the transcript indicates it was a very scientific discussion. I think what people were shocked with was the fallout from this. Uh, fallout originally from from Spotify and then other celebrities uh, through Spotify. It escalated to the White House and the press secretary. And it's interesting because Spotify is a common carrier. You know, they carry the podcast for Robert F. Kennedy. Robert F. Kennedy and the Children's def uh, uh, Health Defense is sharply critical of vaccines. And they haven't said a word about Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, yet Rogan, uh, became uh, a target in a sense, and it's been expanded now to things far beyond Rogan's interview with myself or Pierre Corey or Brett Weinstein or Robert Malone. And so why do you think, as you look back on it, and to your point, it's very scientific, no hyperbole, why do you think it was went, went viral like it did? Well, it went viral, I think, because Rogan's audience, you know, Rogan's audience with my interview, with the downloads, the reverbs, it was translated into multiple languages. It was three hours long. Uh, previously, I think my longest was with Tucker Carlson. I did the long program with Tucker Carlson today in his studio. But, you know, three hours is a long time to fully vet a topic. And how careful Rogan is as a journalist and his audience, his audience, the average age, I think, is 24. These are these are young people. They don't subscribe to cable TV anymore. They don't even know what Fox News is. So it reached a whole new group of, of people. And boy, did it uh, reverberate around the world. Yeah, and I think it goes to, and I'd like to get your thought on this, about the truth of the matter. And that cohort that you're talking about, that generation, uh, is very uh, uh, perceptive of hypocrisy. And so when they feel it might be out there and people are being hypocritical, some of these things that they're hearing in the news constantly is like, this may not be real. And so when they watch your pod, watch you talk and do what you do, they're thinking, okay, here's the truth. And then they start eating it up and it starts going around. I mean, that, that's how I feel. That that's the kind of the state of play I feel like we're in right now. I think you're right. I think uh, on December 8th, uh, they heard the truth. It was one uh, piece of feedback I received from a lot of people. I said, Dr. McCullough, you said you can't get COVID a second time. Well, it was December 10th. We got the communication from the CDC and it became obvious you could get Omicron once you've already had a prior variant. And fortunately, I was on Fox News with Laura Ingram, and I said, listen, you know, here's an update. Omicron broke through natural immunity. Expect it. You can get a second case now. It's very mild, very uh, transitory. So like any good doctor and scientist with humility, you know, I quickly adapted to the data. Uh, I haven't stuck with a single, quote, narrative that's been pointed out to be wrong uh, because I've been careful to cite the science. And other people in my circles have as well. What, what Americans are uh, now starting to understand is our public health officials, as well as uh, many media doctors, have not. And they realize uh, uh, that the truth is starting to come through. Rogan was the big breakthrough. And my Lord, the January 24th uh, U.S. Senate testimony, that was five hours chaired by Senator Ron Johnson. I co-moderated the committee. It was called COVID-19, A Second Opinion. We had dozens of practicing expert doctors who know how to treat COVID-19, inpatient, outpatient. We had PhD scientists, nurses, patients, attorneys. It was five hours of truth bombs. And I can tell you that was live streamed. Uh, that five hours has been condensed to a 38-minute uh, highlight reel that's up on YouTube. And uh, that is uh, basically now 
combined with the Joe Rogan sets of interviews, I think really starting to break through to Americans, uh, getting now a much more clear understanding of the truth regarding COVID-19. Right. And I think you touched on it a second ago, too, with the lack of humility. And I think most Americans will look at you and the people that you associate with and say, very smart, very courageous, but humble, willing to say, oh, things have changed. I didn't realize that. And I think my opinion on this is, you know, coming into a pandemic, I've always felt like, well, we're the United States of America. We have this cool thing called the Center for Disease Control. And there's a lot of really smart people in there and they're gonna figure it out if we, if the pandemic hits us and they're gonna work with everybody and doctors. And that's all just completely blown up now because there's this lack of humility. There's a lack of, hey, we, we had that wrong. We gotta adjust. Uh, we now have hydroxychloroquine. Okay, we're gonna revisit that. I mean, there was just a lack of humility coming through this. And I think, you know, a lot of times it got politicized, obviously, uh, but uh, but speak to that side of it a little bit, if you would, in terms of the, you know, people's kind of trusting in the health establishment, even meaning the federal government has this hierarchy, obviously, that, you know, is here to protect the people. And it just has been falling apart for years now. It's true. It got so bad that we actually heard from our National Allergy Immunology Branch director, a, you know, a division head at the NIH. It's not a terribly high position. Uh, you know, that person claimed to represent science, the entire field of science. And, uh, you know, all of us uh, use the scientific method. Uh, we're humble in our presentation. We work in groups. What Americans uh, saw was basically, I think, hubris and, and demagoguery. And what they really needed to see was doctors working in teams. We should have always had teams of doctors and there should have been contemporary review. We should have been reviewing contagion control. That's one pillar early treatment, the second pillar, hospital treatment, the third pillar, and then the fourth pillar being vaccination. We should have always had a monthly review on how all four aspects of the pandemic are going. And and there are no uh, stakes in the ground. Uh, you know, the, the stake in the ground that the FDA uh, put out saying don't use hydroxychloroquine, well, there was hundreds of studies that came out afterwards demonstrating hydroxychloroquine did have a modest benefit and it was clearly safe. Uh, the stake in the ground that the NIH had, where the NIH said ivermectin is only a horse dewormer and there is no scientific evidence. Well, you know, there's now 70 supportive studies for ivermectin inpatient outpatient. It has a bigger favorable impact than hydroxychloroquine. So all these stakes in the ground as if the conclusion is known and there's no further discussion. Every single time these have been a mistake. Another one has been masking. You know, initially the idea of, well, masks are gonna stop the trans transmission. Well, well, when we realized and the studies suggest that masks were ineffective, there never was a, a second review where we said, you know what, we tried it, it didn't work. Uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, for general public masking, let's go ahead and drop that idea. There never was any humility to understand when something worked or didn't work and then actually change course. Yeah, yeah, and big government came in, I feel like, and I'm, I'm a conservative, and we, we talk this way around here in terms of the government coming in saying, be obedient, you know, put the mask on. And uh, and when the question is, well, it doesn't, doesn't seem to work, why are we still doing it? It's like, well, we because we told you to. And, you know, this masking idea and this whole uh, uh, not changing course, especially with the kids, you know, this is the ongoing place where we all are. So we have all these states now that, you know, finally, uh, I'm in Illinois and they lighten the, the load on the masks, but not in schools and all this stuff. And so what, talk to a little bit um, in terms of how early on did you see that, okay, you know, you saw what happened in Italy, you knew who was going to be most susceptible to this. And then as a society, almost, we kind of said, you know what, we're just going to apply the same standard to everybody, no matter your age, no matter your situation. 
And, you know, at what point, I, I kind of remember when I, this was dawning on me, like in the you know, late spring of 2020, I'm like, why are we applying this to everybody when we need to really near, narrow it down? What, what was your take on that? And, and how do you feel about where we are with the kids and the masking and, and all that craziness? In the spring of 2020, I was working with leaders from UCLA, Emory, uh, Dallas, uh, all around the country and the Coracle Network in Italy. And uh, by June, when we submitted our paper, we already had risk stratification as part of the program for COVID-19. Not everybody needed treatment, that it looked like it was going to be the high-risk seniors, those with multiple medical problems. Young people had essentially a negligible risk. And so we knew that very early on. And uh, I want to say by summer or fall of 2020, the Great Barrington Declaration was proposed uh, by leaders from uh, Stanford, Harvard, and Oxford. And the Great Barrington Declaration, of which many, many scientists signed on to, said, listen, let's just protect the elderly. That's where it's at. Everybody else, let's uh, you know, have them be unencumbered with uh, mandates and restrictions. And we'll protect our seniors. To this day, 40% of the deaths, American deaths that happen with COVID-19 have been nursing home residents. The average age is 83. Um, you know, the, the hyper-focus on children is way off base. Yeah. COVID-19, if it still has any risk to us in this society, it's our seniors, not our children. Right, absolutely. So the question I have for you then, so if, if I, tomorrow I get a positive COVID-19 test, what are you telling me to take? And, and where do I get the medications that you say to take? Right. Well, you can go to the Truth for Health Foundation, truthforhealth.org, download the home treatment protocol, the McCullough protocol, and you can start to follow the steps. I encourage you to do it sooner than later. Uh, one of the first steps is to start nasal washes. And we use dilute povidone iodine or dilute hydrogen peroxide over the sink, squirt it up in the nose, sniff it back, and then spit it out. Do that twice on each side and gargle. You can do that up to every uh, four hours at home. Because we know with the Omicron virus, it largely stays in the nasal cavity. So it's very amenable because of its high replication rates to actually just killing the virus in the nasal cavity. It's remarkably effective. Everybody should have either povidone iodine, which is called betadine, uh, about a $5 item online, or hydrogen peroxide, about a $5 item as well, in the house and be ready to go with the oral nasal washes. Beyond that, we have monoclonal antibodies for high-risk uh, patients. You don't look like you're gonna be one of them, uh, but we use Sotrivimab, the GlaxoSmithKline product. I just got called uh, by a young uh, uh, a mother of a young woman who has systemic lupus and she's on a lot of medicines. I think she should get one of these antibodies. The mother's scrambling right now, um, but we, they, you know, everybody should be calling around, finding out who's got them. You should push your uh, representatives to make sure they're transparent on the supply chain for monoclonal antibodies. Then beyond that, we have oral antivirals, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Now we have Paxilvoy by Pfizer, Molnupiravir by Merck. We use doxycycline, azithromycin in addition. We use inhaled budesonide throughout, oral colchicine throughout, oral aspirin, and then anticoagulants. Uh, higher risk patients, we go ahead and put them on prednisone as well. So all these drugs are freely available, should be prescribed by your primary care doctor. I think every patient ought to call their primary care doctor and say, listen, are you ready to prescribe the drugs for me? Are you ready to go on this? If you're not, who can you refer me to? Too many patients have scrambled because the primary care doctors have just uh, really uh, been flat-footed on responding to COVID. Yeah, that's great advice. So get, get prepared ahead of time because you never know where your doctor is going to land now. Uh, it's a really strange time. And most people haven't been used to that their entire lives. They just assume that the best thing is going to be done. And, and we're living in an age where it's not. And so last question for you then. So we'll, we'll see what happens. More and more is coming out. Uh, it just feels like a lot of bad decisions were made. It's hard to say. 
how many people died that didn't need to die? <clears throat> Do you feel like at some point there's going to be accountability built into this for the people that have just basically, you know, shown the hubris and just weren't looking out for people like they were supposed to? Are they going to be held accountable one day? They will. And I think justice will be served. Uh, the, the record now is so incredibly clear. Senator Ron Johnson's done a wonderful job in memorializing testimony into the Senate record. Uh, my current estimates are 95% of all the deaths could have been avoided with early appropriate treatment. And we could have avoided tens of millions of hospitalizations. And I think there will be uh, justice and people will be held accountable for that unnecessary loss of life and the inconvenience uh, and the misery and, and really the anxiety of being hospitalized unnecessarily. Wow. Wow. That's really, that's, uh, I, I, thought th I thought you were going to say something like that, but that's just, it's heartbreaking to think about it. And I am so thankful that it's been read to the record. And I, like a lot of Americans, are very thankful for you, for your courage, for your intellect and how you've been sharing all this and even what you shared today. And uh, really appreciate everything you've done and, and really thank you for coming on today. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.